So we've, this entire year, have been looking at that it's time. It's time to. And this morning, beginning a three-week look at this on it's time to know your church. It's time to know who we are and what we believe. It's time to know why we're here and what we're doing. It's time to know if you belong, which by the way, I can answer that one for you. You do, in case you were wondering. One of my ideas on this was that what I often do in a, what I call a church 101 class and just informing people about who we are, what we believe, our local church, our denomination, etc. thought, well, I'll just take that and make that into three messages. And that is a great idea on paper. I found it much more difficult to create sermons to fit around this. Uh, so I appreciate your patience and uh, your uh, kindness, as it always is, as we begin this this morning. But I think it's important that we know sometimes we have a tendency to just gather with a group and we have some friends in that group and we don't pay enough attention to the rest of things, of what's going on and what everything that is happening and what we really stand for and what we believe and we probably don't do enough and by we I mean me up front making sure to reinforce that so that everyone is aware so we're going to check that box the next three weeks and you're going to be very aware uh, of these things and my prayer is that uh, as you go through this this will cement in your mind uh, that you're a part of this my prayer is that you'll have a greater understanding and then also be able to translate that into how you live. Because what difference does it make if we explain things well, but we don't live it out? Because this is not about an organization. This is about the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist, in case you wondered. In fact, I want us to make sure we take a look at this scripture and realize that everything builds off of this. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, we're looking at Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. And I love this passage. Um, in fact, I preached from it the week I got ordained. Uh, I remember it vividly. I had the privilege of having my mom and dad in that service, which is a rarity that we were ever in church together um, because he was preaching and doing his thing and we were doing our thing and even after he retired he didn't retire because if you're not aware of it that word's not in the bible um, he was still doing things though not an active pastor and uh, so to have them there is one of the reasons it was memorable so as we take a look at this in Matthew 16, beginning of verse 13, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, 
I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now understand, verse 20 does not apply to us. That's very rare in scripture. It's truth, it just doesn't apply to us because we are free to tell. And he was simply wanting to make sure they didn't jump the gun and letting everybody know before he had put everything in place. In fact, we sometimes act like we're still under that order. Think through that for a moment. And we're not. But I love this, this picture of Jesus with his disciples sitting around and he asked that question, kind of like, so what's being said on Facebook about me? There been any reels out there on Twitter or Instagram? Or, I mean, what, what are people saying about me? Now, you always have to be careful when you ask those kind of questions because people might answer you. I have at times when people have come to me and said, Pastor, I want to know your opinion on this. And occasionally I'll say, now, before I answer, I need to know, do you want me to tell you honestly or do you just want me to agree with you? Jesus wanted them to answer honestly, and they did. They named off some of the things that took place. But then he asked the question that matters and what this is all being based on. He said, but who do you say that I am? Now, this was his closest followers. These were his disciples. They were living with him, ministering with him, suffering with him. And he asked, who do you say that I am? Now, my guess is that there was a slight pause while they all pondered, how do we answer that? And then there was a massive moan and cringe because Peter spoke first. Peter, who was known to speak first, not always maybe what he should have. Peter is the one who wasn't afraid to give his opinion, and sometimes his opinion needed to be adjusted. <laughs> Anybody else in here like that? Don't raise your hand, just point to someone else. But Peter answered to where they all sat there with their mouths hanging open, I even think Jesus was a little surprised because he said, well, you're the Christ. You're the one we've been waiting for, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus made the statement from which we have been developed as a church. He said, it's upon this. Many people have interpreted upon Peter. It was upon what Peter said that he said the church is going to come out of this. This is the foundation. Jesus Christ, God's son, came, died for our sins, was raised again to life, sits at the right hand of the Father to this day, and that's why we're here. If it's for any other reason, we may as well join the Kiwanis or Optimus Club. It's not just about projects, although we try to do a bunch of them. It's not just about gatherings, 
though that's a good place for us to, to start and to learn and build and develop. It's about who Jesus is. So for these next three weeks, it's time to know your church. But I want you to know, above all else, your church is one who is attempting to follow Jesus Christ. In fact, our denomination's purpose statement says to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. All over the place. To make people who are striving, following, and hopefully succeeding in being like Jesus as his disciples. That's why we do what we do. That's why you saw the kids. That's why we did VBS and a bunch of you went home extremely exhausted. But with a smile on your face. That's why you're in here fanning yourself because it's warmer than it ought to be. Which, by the way, I, I heard somebody say sometime in the last few weeks when we were going, while we are going through this, they go, well, I remember the old days, you know, we didn't have air conditioning and it was great. It was not great. The good old days might have been, but the no air conditioning, no. The good old days, you didn't have an indoor bathroom either. Not great. So be careful about the good old days. Just, just saying, okay? Now, I want to help you get an overview. A little bit of our us as a church. A little bit of our district and a little denomination. Since school starts this week, I thought the best way to do that is make it take a quiz. So here we go. No, I'm serious. You're about to take a pop quiz. All the students can look at all the adults and go, ha ha. We go through this all the time. If you have the sermon outline, there are 10 numbers. Hopefully they are. 1 through 10. So you can write your answer, your guess down to this. First question. In what year was this church, Sterling First Church of the Nazarene, officially organized as a church? What is your guess? 04... 41, 23, 1898? The correct answer is 1941. In fact, it was on Sunday, December 7th, 1941. And if some of you are going, so why'd you emphasize that? Go home and Google it. If, and uh, go back and ask your history teacher why he didn't tell you that. Secondly, Church of the Nazarene, where is our denominational headquarters located? For our whole denomination, I'll give you a hint, it is in the United States. What's your best guess? St. Louis, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Atlanta. The answer is none of the above. It has to be Kansas City, but they moved their offices to a suburb of Kansas City called Lenexa, Kansas, but we call we just say Kansas City, okay? On the Kansas side, by the way, it matters if you're out there. Question number three, we are a part of a district. We talk about our district all the time. There are 82 districts in North America. Which district does our church 
belong to Northwest Illinois, Illinois, Chicago Central, Southwest Illinois. By the way, if any of you say Southwest Illinois, you need to go back to that geography teacher and ask for a refund. The correct answer is Northwest Illinois. Number four. I think I'm on number four. As you know, I get the numbers mixed up. How many churches are there on this district, Northwest Illinois district? How many churches? 49, 54, 62, 71, maybe it's 63. I can't remember what, you know, 62. Eh, not so quick to answer, huh? Well, I went directly to the district superintendent this week because this number changes often. And I said, how many churches do we currently have on the district? He said, there are 54 active churches. There are another six or seven that are in process. So if you say 62, you're okay. 54 is the most accurate number. Um, Question number five, in what year was our denomination, the Church of the Nazarene, officially organized? 1908, 1920, 1898, or 1904? By the way, all four of those dates are important in our denomination. And the answer is 1908. There was a group that organized in 1907 in a big convention in Chicago, Illinois, believe it or not. But the next year in Pilot Point, Texas, of all places, is when what we now know as the Church of the Nazarene was officially organized. So we've been around a while. It was interesting. You think through those dates. They began discussions of this in 1898. It took them a few years to figure out who are we? Do we want to be together? And they're contacting congregations across the United States at a time before there were cell phones. Yes, students, there was a time where there no, were no cell phones. There was no internet. And they still got the word out. And people traveled for days to get to that first convention slept wherever they could, and in a unanimous, that's the most amazing thing, unanimous vote of all the people who traveled to that place, they voted to join together and form the denomination we now call the Church of the Nazarene. Number six, in how many world areas does the Church of the Nazarene have ministries? The correct answer is 165. There's only 190 some world areas, I think. So that's a fairly good representation. But you might try to look these up and go, we're not in that many places. That's because we're in several places we can't say we're in. Because it's illegal to be a Christian or to be a missionary in those places. We have flags from all those countries but we can't show all those flags because we're putting lives at risk if we do so when we talk about missions school pal packs and alabaster offering and others like that it's going in a lot of places some of which 
you might never get to hear about. Because we have to be very careful how we do that. Last week at our district team day, in the class seminar that I taught, was a missionary who's in one of those places. It was great to see them, to hear a little bit. I was humbled that they came to a workshop I was doing on evangelism, knowing what they're doing. And I would love to have had them come up and share some stories, but we can't publicize that. We're in a lot of places. Every dollar that you give, a part of that dollar, we just send directly to our missions department. And it goes around the world. We don't keep it all. A whole bunch of it goes out. In fact, last year we gave more than 10% of what came in out to missions all over the world. So when we talk about asking for money, it's not asking for money to fill our coffers. It's asking for money to reach people for Jesus Christ. Number seven, we believe in higher education. How many colleges or universities does the church in the Nazarene have just in the United States? I couldn't find the figure for around the world. It was 60 or something. In the United States, the correct answer is eight. Eight colleges or universities. Now, some of those... Um, were colleges and became universities when some of us left because the GPA and everything went up and they, they could become universities. Uh, Olivet being one of those. Olivet is the one that we are on that region of. How many general superintendents? We have district superintendents for all of the 82 districts and we have general superintendents for all the 165 world areas. How many general superintendents do we have in the Church of the Nazarene that are overseeing the work worldwide? 10, 5, 6, or 12? The correct answer is 6. 6 general superintendents, 3 of them born outside the United States. We're a world church. And it's being represented even in our leadership. Also, in what city are our district offices, Northwest Illinois district offices located? Kankakee, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois, notice they're all Illinois, Bloomington, Illinois, or Peoria, Illinois? The correct answer is Peoria. Until about four years ago, it was Pekin. So some of you who were about to go, you got that wrong. No, I didn't. I was just there a couple weeks ago. I know where it is. Number 10. Last question. How many years has Pastor Denny been in ministry? And don't any of you say there's not a big enough number on there. Now this is official ministry. I've been in ministry for a lot longer than that. Just like you're in ministry. The correct answer as of May this year. Is 40. That's right. <laughs> that, that is a whole lot more testament to my wife. In our denomination. <laughs> uh, for putting up with me. Now just like most quizzes. We have a bonus. In case you didn't do well on the first 10. The last one. The bonus question. 
What's the name of our district superintendent? He's been here three times in the last two years to preach. Somebody just got it. Reverend Lloyd Brock. In fact, he calls himself pastor slash DS because he said pastor's a higher position than DS. And he said, I'm pastoring our pastors and our churches. And if you have met him, there's a really good chance he remembers your name. He's a freak uh, about that stuff. I may have just met you and might not remember your name. But if he met you at district convention or if he met you when he's been here any of those times to preach, he probably remembers your name. He's a pretty awesome guy. Back to our scripture. Everything that we just covered is based out of this because it's after Jesus Christ. That's our foundation. Now, some of you are already panicking and going, we're going to be here till noon with all the blanks that are left on here. This is a series. We'll get as far as we get this morning, and then it just, that's where we start next week. Okay, so don't panic. If your stomach's growling, tell it to calm down. But everything we do, personally, corporately, needs to be about Jesus. Everything. That's our foundation. That's the reason we exist. That's why we plan what we plan and do what we do. Who are we? We are disciples of Jesus. First and foremost, individually and collectively. If we are not doing that as Jesus said, this is the foundation that it's built on. If that's not who we are and what we're doing, we are wasting our time. And I don't want to waste my time. We're disciples of Jesus. That's our goal. Now remember, a disciple is one who follows someone. A disciple is one who tries to act like someone. A disciple is one who tries to look like, not in physical appearance, but in life. So one question I challenge you with this morning is, are you looking like Jesus? Is anybody confusing you with Jesus? You know, uh, that doesn't make sense. Sure it does. If Christ is in you, he should be coming through you. And for some people, you're the only Jesus they'll ever see. So let me ask you, are they seeing the real Jesus at school or at work? How about on Facebook or in Walmart? How about driving to Chicago O'Hare Airport? I have no cameras, you won't know. How about at home? It's all about him. We are first and foremost disciples of Jesus. But also we are part of a larger body. The church of Jesus Christ is all the groups that gather. Who believe in his word and on the word and testimony of Jesus Christ. No matter what name is on the door. Just because they call themselves a church doesn't mean that they are following Jesus by the way. Or preaching the word. But we are corporately connected to any and all of those as an individual church and as a denomination 
as a district, as a universal church, we are part of a much bigger body. It's so awesome to see all those uh, videos and pictures from our youth being at NYC. And that was just North America. And there were over 10,000 teenagers, high school teenagers gathered. And that only represented a couple of the 165 areas that we're in as a denomination. General Assembly. On that Sunday morning, there were close to 15,000 people gathered to worship. And I love to worship with you and to hear you sing, which, by the way, sing louder. Okay, it's all right. Just, just belt it out. The scripture says make a joyful noise, not an on-tune noise. Okay, some of us are a fulfillment of that. Belt it out if you believe it. But we gather together. We are a part of a much larger body. And as we gather here today, there are groups gathering all over. And in fact, as our founder, Dr. Phineas F. Brzee said, the, church, the sun never sets on the Church of the Nazarene because we're all around. But the beauty of it is not just our denomination. The sun never sets on the worldwide Church of Jesus Christ. There is always somewhere a group meeting. I love that. I love knowing that. I love celebrating that and to realize this is a lot bigger than us. We are supposed to be connected. I had originally put in there, we are connected. And I went back and said, no, I need to add we're supposed to be. We don't always feel that way. But you see, we're to be connected locally with one another. We're to be co connected regionally, other churches in our, in our area, churches on our district, not just of our denomination. And we're to be connected globally. And it's easier than it's ever been because of technology. We can tune in. We can talk with. We can stay connected too. But we have to put ourselves out for that. One question that comes, and I, I, um, if you want to know more about it, I'd be happy to talk with you. But, you know, how do we, I often get asked, how, do, how did you get here? I said, well, my mom and dad and uh, in a little hospital in Indiana. Usually they mean here as a pastor. I said, well, pastors are first of all called. We're called by God and we're called by a local church. I was not assigned to you. You chose us. Now, we got to choose you also. It comes, <laughs> you're welcome and thank you. Um, in fact, we're coming up, I was just thinking, a month from today, would be will be three years since we interviewed with the church board. Uh, I was like, man, lots happened in three years. But we're called denominations. Pray about, consider, interview, select, vote on, and a pastor interviews, selects, and agrees to coming to churches. We have years of call, but those can be changed. We renew it every so often. If you remember a year ago, um, when we first come, it's a two-year call, and the church board renewed that for four years. If you have an issue with that, talk to the church board. 
Secondly, we're not only called, but we're commissioned. Commissioned, first of all, by God. That's where it matters more than anything. I love what our denomination does in calling, training pastors. It's not perfect, but I love what we do. But that commission is not near as great as the commission to know that this is what Jesus Christ, this is what God the Father has called me to do. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I fought it. <laughs> That's one reason I know it so well. But we're also commissioned by our denomination and our local church. Part of that commissioning is ongoing as you pray for and serve alongside. And also, we're committed. Now, you might want to add a word or two in there and say should be committed. <clears throat> if you need to think about that, ask somebody after church. But we better be committed to this because this is important stuff. I just got asked recently, and I gave the same answer to the question I've given for 40 years. I said, do you, do you ever get nervous still? You've been doing this a while. Do you ever get nervous before Sunday mornings? I said, every single time. Because this is important stuff. This is important stuff. We're talking about eternal addresses here. And I always answer, the week that I get up and was not nervous is the week I need to quit. Because this matters. But it matters for all of us, not just for me. This is important stuff that we do in what we call a church. The Church of the Nazarene has many things that it's built upon. One of the founding things is what we call our 16 Articles of Faith, which we're going to start with next week. Five of them are listed there. Go ahead and roll through, Merrick. So if you have a need to fill in blanks, I won't disturb your sleep. You can get these filled in. You can find these things in the Manual of the Church of Nazarene. You can go on nazarene.org, our denominational webs website. Just realize it's like thousands of pages um, on the website. But that we go ahead and run the, those five articles of faith. Um, but let me finish with this. The big question is, what do we do with what we believe? And let me close with this. Number one, you need to know it. Know what the word says. Know who we claim to be. We, you need to proactively know that. I need to keep sharing that consistently um, and with clarity. Second, you need to live it each day with each step and each word everywhere you go. If we're not living it, it's just a membership, and it's of little value. And third, we need to share it. We need to share this. We have been called and commissioned by God, all of us, not just pastors, to share what we know, who we are, and what we believe. My favorite question lately, because I keep asking it of myself and God keeps asking me, is a simple two-word question. Now what? Okay, I know this. Now what? Well, that's my question to you. Now what? 
What will you do with what you know? If all we do is store it away and check it off, we wasted some time. But if we're going to live it, if we're going to share it, if we're going to be what we claim to believe, we can make a difference. So now what will you do with what you know? Jesus, thank you for the joy of knowing you, for the joy of our salvation, for the joy of the truth of your word, that your grace is sufficient for every one of us, no matter our past or our present. Thank you that you know our past, but you call us by our name, and you look to our future. Lord, I pray for each one that is here this morning that they would grab a hold of that and let that grab a hold of them. Lord, this week, may we marinate in the truth that it's all about you. I pray that you would guide my thoughts in the preparation for next week and that each of us would consider the answer to that question, now what? What will we do with what we know? Lord, thank you for this body of believers, for their trust in us as pastors, for their trust in calling, and for their trust in continuing to serve alongside. May you guide us this week. May your hand especially be over the schools and everybody connected to them. In Jesus' name.